Well, my name is Nate, and we are, Restoration Church is one church meeting in three locations in New Hampshire, and uh, we're meeting in Londonderry, meeting in Plymouth, and uh, everyone joins us in during this time of our of the preaching of the word, so uh, we're glad to all be together during this time. Now, in this series, we're finishing up today, but the series is called Begin Again, and we've been in the book of Joshua and talking about how... God had told Joshua, now was the time to go after the promised land. And it was time to begin again in receiving it and, uh, and, and, uh, and acquiring it. And previously, 40 years before, God had made the same promise to Moses. But because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience, because of their fear, they never were able to enter it. What we've been looking at in this story is for us in our lives, there are things that God has for us, things he tells us to go after. And maybe you've experienced disappointment. Maybe there's been things in your life. It just hasn't happened. And we can give up on those dreams. We can walk away. But just believing in this series, God's telling you, hey, begin again. Go after the things I have for you. Don't, don't quit on those things. And so we'll be in the last chapter of Joshua today, Joshua 24, and looking at, uh, at that scripture and continuing it with our series. Now for you, I don't know what it's like, you, you know, the last three weeks or, or previous time in your life when you said, you know what, I'm going to go after the things God has for, for me, and you go after it, you begin to, 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 to receive it and to get it, and it feels like the enemy has dressed up like a Los Angeles Rams cornerback. And just when you're about to get it, man, he drills you from the side and knocks you out and takes you out. And you just stand up like, what in the world, God? What was that? How would you allow that to happen? Why would there be any setback? Do you have a decision to make after that happens? Are you going to get up again? Are you going to just quit? Are you going to continue to pursue? Are you going to continue to believe in, even though there's been a setback? Or is that it? You're just, you're just done you're going to retire, it's over for you. We don't want that for you, and we don't believe that God wants that for you either. The big theme in this series, the one that's resonated with, with you guys the most, has been this statement, failure is not your future. And that this helps people because we feel, we can feel so much like failures, we look at other people in their lives and we just compare ourselves to them and we think, you know, I'm not good. I haven't advanced in my career. You know, I don't have enough save for retirement. My kids, they, they, they don't even know how, they don't even know the proper way to cough. They're still coughing in their hands, not under their elbows. I'm a failure as a parent. You, you know, I don't grow my own kale. I, you know, I feed my kids processed food. You just feel like a failure in all these things. Um, irrelevant, out of touch, it's in, and it's different for every, every one of us, but there's, we can be just beat down on ourselves and say, I, I'm never going to be the person Jesus created me to be. I'm never going to receive the things he has for me. I'm never going to be able to do the things he wants me to do. I'm a failure. Listen, that is not your future. There are things that God has for you, things that God's promised you, that he wants you to go after, he wants you to receive, he wants you to work for, and he wants to ultimately give you those things. And as we stand on that, on, that, on that belief and kind of uh, allowing that to settle in our heart, you know what, I'm not giving up, I'm going to begin again, failure is not my future, I think it is important for you to know that failure is an option. It's not your future, but it is an option. 
And it can be one you decide to take. God is not someone who's going to manipulate your life and force you to go in a direction you don't want to go in. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's not going to force you to receive his promises. He's not going to force you to believe or to have faith or to obey. And if you see the promises he has for you, and like the, the, the Israelites who were um, under Moses, if you look at it all and say, hey, it looks so good, but I just don't think we can do it, he'll say, all right, well, then you'll never see it. He will give you that option to have faith in, 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 your, in yourself rather than having faith in him. Failure is not an option, but it's a choice that you can make. At any point in your life, you can turn your back on Jesus and just say, you know what, I'm walking away from this. I don't see the point in this. I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think he'll really help me. And he will let you do that. And the part of scripture we're about to read in Joshua 24, this is the end of Joshua's life and it's kind of his last words and his last remarks. And for 31 years now, it, from when we started this series four weeks ago, we've traveled, it's been 31 years of time, and they've received all the land that God promised them. They've allocated it all. They've, they're living in it now. They've moved from 40 years, you know, from 400 years of slavery to 40 years of living in tents and traveling and not having a home to now having their land and establishing it and building their cities and building their homes. And, uh, and Joshua is now kind of challenging them. Hey, now that you've received these things that God has promised us, what are you going to do now? Is now going to be the time you turn your back on him? Is now going to be the time that you say, hey, now that I have everything I need, I don't need God anymore. What is, your, what is it that you're going to do? In this scripture, he's trying to remind them what is most important. He's trying to remind them who is most important. You've got the land. You've got the home. You've got the peace that has evaded your fathers and your grandfathers. And you have all those things. But don't forget the one who delivered you. Don't forget the one who provided for you. Don't forget the one who healed you. Don't forget the one who gave to you. Don't forget the one who saved you. And he goes on to give them this challenge, and it's in Joshua 24. You can turn there. And we're going to read at this part just two verses in 14 and 15. We'll look at a couple other scriptures in this chapter as we move through the message. But this is the big thing that he's challenging with them in this challenge and in this final address. Joshua uh, chapter 24, verse number 14, it says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors, ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And then this famous, famous scripture 
Joshua says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And he made his decision. And he's challenging others. He's challenging, you know, uh, over a million people in this address. Who are you going to serve? Me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. But who are you going to serve now that we have all this? Are you going to serve the gods of of the people who held you in slavery? You're going to uh, serve the gods uh, of the Amorites who were, who were um, uh, uh, sacrificing their own children to appease their God? Wh- what are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? Choose today who you're going to serve. And we're in this series, Begin Again. And maybe you haven't received the things that God held, has for you. You're still in the pursuit of that. Don't give up on that. I mean, it may be 31 years for you. Don't give up on the pursuit because there's a whole lot of, there's many great miracles that God wants to do before he gives you the things he's calling you to go after. It's an entire process that he's bringing us through. You have that question that you're faced with. Who, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to choose? You're going to just live the way the rest of your family has lived? Are you going to live the way culture lives? Are you going to live for God and live following Jesus and, and, and live recognizing who he is in your life and what he has for you? In this entire address that Joshua is giving to the people of God, to the Israelites, there's a couple of things in there that he was challenging them to do that I want us to do this morning. And if you're going to make a decision to, if you're saying, uh, just like Joshua, hey, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, that is not something that is going to come without challenge. And you're going to make the decision to serve him and to follow him no matter what. Then these are things that we'll put into practice in our life to help us to finish the race that God has called us to finish, to finish the race that Jesus has started in our life. In the first 14 verses, or or first 13 verses of of Joshua chapter 24, Joshua is telling the Israelites, he's reminding them of all the good things that God has done for them. Hey, remember this miracle, and remember this miracle, and remember this miracle. Remember when um, it, it mentions one of the battles in there where it says, hey, remember we defeated the city and we didn't even fight them? God sent hornets into the city to drive them out, and we didn't even, we didn't even battle. God just handed things to us. He just, he, just, he just blessed us, and he's reminding them all these things, and we have to remind ourselves the great things that he's done for us. The great things that he's done in our life. He, 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 God gave us his son, Jesus. And he gave us Jesus, not for us to have a religious icon, but he gave us Jesus so that Jesus would be punished for the wrong things that we've done in our life. And Jesus, we worship him and we give him thanks because he willingly, not reluctantly, gave his own life that we could be forgiven, that we could know God the Father, that we could have a place reserved for us in heaven if we wanted it. We cannot forget that. We cannot forget that. 
We can't just live as religious people. We can't just live as good moral people. We can't just live for ourselves. We don't, we, we don't want to be so focused on the things that are happening in the world that we've forgotten just how great Jesus is. We don't want to be so overwhelmed by, by flat tires or, 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 or repairs on our houses that we, that we forget or challenges that we forget who God is and what Jesus did. Remind yourself that. I remember for me the day he changed my life. I think that's a very important thing that we replay over and over in our head. Because there's days it's tough, there's days it's challenging. There's days maybe you even question, God, do you even care about me anymore? Do you help? Would, would you, are you even helping me? Are you even working anymore? And you remember, wait a minute, for me, I remember I was 14 years old and you changed my life. There's no doubting that. And that reminding leads us to worship. That reminding allows us to continue following. That, reminds, that reminding allows us to trust him even if we're in the middle of a great difficulty. Do you remember that day he changed your life? Do you remember that? What that felt like? What that forgiveness felt like? Do you remember who you were before him? And maybe you don't, because maybe today is going to be the day you remember him. Because today is going to be the day you say, hey, I'm giving you my life, Jesus. I've done all these years without you. I've done all these years running from you. I've done all these years without knowing about you. But today I'm making this decision to give you my life, to allow you to forgive me and to change me. And this is going to be the day you remember the day you remind yourself, and I pray that it will be. We're going to remind ourselves of the things that he's done, and then Joshua, in the part of the scripture we just read, we have to reject the things that lead us away from following him. And this is what he said in the scripture we just read. Hey, what are you going to do? You know, you have to make a decision. Are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose to follow him? If you are... You need to reject these other things in his life. You need to reject the idols from, 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 the, from the culture. You need to reject the idols from, uh, from different family members who are serving and introducing things to you that aren't of God. You have to make sure you're rejecting all of those things who are leading you away from him. What are those things in our life that lead us away from him? And every single one of us are different it could be all kinds of different things. It could be a relationship. They're putting pressure on you every time you serve at church, every time you come to church, every time you, um, you, you know, wanting to come to worship night. They're putting pressure on you. If you're married, that's a, I'm, you got to go to a counselor, figure that out. But if you're dating someone and you're saying, hey, we're going to establish a household together. How can you say, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord? If you say, as for me and my side of the bed, we're going to serve the Lord. The other side of the bed steals the blanket. Like, what are you going to do? You have to make a decision. I'm going to leave everything that is going to lead me away from him. He is my focus. He is my pursuit. He has my attention. He has my devotion. It can be pride. 
It can be unforgiveness. It can be apathy. It can be a consumerism. They say, what's in it for me? I'm going to come, and as long as it's good for me, I'll keep coming. And then you just disregard it when it's not working for you anymore. And this was something that the Israelites were facing. They now had everything they had ever prayed for. Were they going to, were they going to leave God now? It can be materialism. I, you know, I can't, I, God's not giving me the things I want, the material things I want. Uh, it could be an offense. Someone's offended me, someone's hurt me. So I'm rejecting you now, God, because of that. Don't reject him, don't walk away from him. And don't allow these little things that slowly, over time, bring you further away. Recognize what those things are. Recognize the change in your heart. As you're reminding yourself of who you were when he changed your life, you begin to say, who am I now? There's not a softness in my spirit towards the things of God. There's not a desire to worship him. There's not a thankfulness in, in my life for him. There's not a closeness, closeness to him anymore. Where have I gone? Where have I drifted and begin to kind of backtrack and say, here are the decisions I've been making that have led me away from him. And begin again now, following him and being devoted to him. We remind ourselves what he's done. We reject the things that lead us away from him. But then we remind ourselves of who he is. This is obviously different than what he's done What's his character? Who is he? Is he really God, creator of heavens and earth? Is he really Jesus, Lord, Savior? Who is he? Joshua is reminding them this in verse number 19. You can look there if you want. We'll put it on the, on the screens. It says, Joshua warns the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you obey the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. This is, this is really, if you've never been in church before, you read, you read something like this and you're like, what in the world? This is unbelievable. But I want to explain this to you a little bit. Help you understand it because this is not saying God is angry and God hates you. This is saying, hey, failure is an option for you. Your future is not your failure if you make the decision to pursue Jesus. But if you want to walk away from him, then that's the choice you can make. And he talks about the character of God, three different things here in this, in just in that verse we just read. First, he said this, God is holy. It's holy. There is a purity and a perfection in him like we've never known, like we could never understand. And that perfection, that beauty, that holiness, it is something, it is one of the reasons we need Jesus, because we can never come to Jesus with the sin in our life. It is only through receiving Jesus' forgiveness and putting our trust in and decision to follow him that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus when he looks at us, which certainly we are not. 
That's what he sees when we receive his forgiveness. He has grace for our errors and grace for our sin when we confess it and we ask forgiveness from it. But he has destruction for our idolatry. When you... It's one thing that we believe is God's created us. He knows every single one of us. He's created us to worship him. And it seems easy when you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Oh, I get it now. I know what it is to worship him. It comes easy. But it's very easy also to worship things other than him. And that's what idolatry is. To live our life for things other than him. To put our trust in things other than him. And if you're going to serve your employer, God's going to let you do that. If you're going to serve, you, you, you know, your truck, God's going to let you do that. If you're going to serve your bank account, God's going to let you do that. But what's going to happen? There's going to be destruction there. It says also this, and this is probably the, the one description of God that, I've, that has always been the most challenging for me. It says... That God is jealous. We, you know, when I was in middle school and in high school, when someone described their girlfriend or boyfriend or someone else's boyfriend or girlfriend as jealous, that was like just about the most derogatory thing you could say to them. And the person in that relationship was going to be the most miserable person you ever met. Oh, I can't do anything. You know, my girlfriend's jealous or, you know, my boyfriend's jealous. And so it's just always accusations and it's drama and it's craziness. And you think, if you're going to think God's jealous that way, you're like, man, what in the world is this guy? Why is God so insecure? Why is God so crazy? Why won't God get off my back? But that's not what this is describing at all. And one thing we try to do with these kind of complex ideas is try to, let's put ourselves in a, in a, in a modern-day situation to help us to understand just even in a small way what God's like. So let me share an idea with you just to try to help us understand what this idea of jealousy means. So imagine you're a parent, and maybe you are, but imagine you're a parent, you've got little kids, and you've been wrongly um, accused of something, and your children have been taken from you. The government comes in, they take your children, they've accused you of all kinds of things that are wrong, and they just say, you're never going to see your children again. And um, it would be a worse nightmare, right? But now imagine that they've been placed in a new home, and that those new parents, they're celebrating the birthdays with them, the, you know, the first steps, the graduations, the proms. The, you, you, they're celebrating all that with them. What would your, what would your um, emotions be? You'd be jealous for them. You'd be jealous for them. That, those, are, those are my kids. Those are my experiences. Those are my memories that I'm missing out on because I've been wrongly accused. This is how God is. We're his children. But there's been an enemy who's stolen us from him. There's been a sin that's stolen us from him. There's been a world that's seduced us from him, that's taken us from him. And he's jealous for us. He's jealous for us to cry out to him. You know, 
I've got a four-year-old, and I hate when he shows up in my bedroom in the middle of the night, which is every night for four, you know, I guess for two and a half years. But you know what? If he was sneaking into some other parent's bed because he's been taken from me by the government, I'd be jealous for that. No, he's supposed to be waking me up in the middle of the night. He's supposed to be disrupting me. He's supposed to be kicking me in the middle of the night. He's supposed to be irritating me. Those are my moments. That's my kid. This is God's jealousy for us. Wait a minute, why are you living your life without me? Why are you living your life secluded from me? Listen, I want to help you with these problems. I want you to, to, I want to carry your burdens. I want to forgive your sins. I want to pour out my love upon you. And his jealousy for us is that. So let's not think that because he's jealous for us, he's psychotic and annoying. No, he has a love for us like we could never, ever imagine. The worst of us, the the, the, the most messed up of us, he wants us. As irritating as we are, he loves us. And he wants every single one, every single part of our irritating lives. When you're, you, you, you know, when you're, if you're in that moment, like even if your kid had the flu and he's, whatever, vomiting on the carpet, you'd be jealous for that. I want to be there to cuddle my kid and to help my kid. That's God's jealousy for us. He wants us, every stinking part of us, he wants us. He's holy, he's jealous, and then it says here he's just. It says if you turn away from him, if you serve other gods, he'll turn against you and destroy you, even though he's been so good to you. He's just he, he, failure is an option. If you say, hey, God, you, man, you've been so good to me. You've forgiven me. You've changed my life. You've restored my marriage. You've, you've blessed me. You've provided for my needs. Um, uh, uh, you've done all these things. Thanks. Now that you've taken care of all my problems, I'm out of here. And people do that all the time. I need, if they show up at church, I just got a bad diagnosis. I need God to heal me. He heals them. They leave. They don't come back. Bad marriage, my marriage is going to be destroyed. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me. We pray, and then they leave after. You're praying for God. God, I need you to help me get my business off the ground. And then the business starts booming, and then you neglect them because the business is booming. You've got to make sure you take care of your customers. When you turn your back on God, he, and when it says he'll destroy us, his response to us is not with lightning bolts and say, all right, now, here's your chance. I can't believe you, you for a split second, you thought you were going to walk away from me. I better take you out. better take you out now. But his destruction, I mean, it's eternal. He says, listen, all right, if you want to walk from me, I'll let you go that way. But there is an eternity. There is a life after this one, and he doesn't make exceptions. He can't because, again, that's connected to his holiness. So we have the choice. We've reminded ourselves of what he's done, thanking him for the memories and the miracles. We're rejecting the things in our life that are pulling us and trying to draw us away from him. We're reminding ourselves of who he is in his character. It's love, it's forgiveness, but it's also holiness and jealousy and justness. And then we're, we have to make a decision now, kind of all of that, you know what? I'm not just going to play church. I'm not just going to show up. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm recommitting my life to you. And this is what Joshua is challenging them now with. 
hey, remember the miracles. Remember the slavery your parents were in. Remember the challenges. Remember when we walked around Jericho and the walls fell down and, and, and we didn't do anything. Remember, remember the hornets. Remember the food. Remember the water. Remember all these things. You know, look around you. You see the miracle all around you. Remember. Now, put aside those things that you've been holding on to just in case. Uh, just serve God. Serve him only. Because this is who he is. He is the God of the heavens and earth. So what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? They say in verse number 21, the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. They kind of, sometimes the Israelites, they don't have a happy ending, but in a couple of verses later, it says they served him, they served God the entire time of the rest of Joshua's life and, and for an entire generation of those who walked through these miracles, they served the Lord. Renew your commitment to him. In the New, in the New Testament, um, Jesus talking is recorded in the book of Luke. He said this, take up your cross daily. What does that mean? Renew your commitment daily. Every morning, if you're a morning person, every mid-afternoon, if you're a 19-year-old, um, Jesus, I'm making a commitment to you. I'm following you today. I'm following you today. <coughs> Commit your life to him. Recommit your life to him. You say, oh, pastor, I've been going to church for 30 years. I don't need to recommit my life to Jesus. He knows. Listen, you're, you, you've gone off. Every single one of us, Jesus says, need to pick up our cross daily, commit daily. Yeah, Jesus, today I'm serving you. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And what we end up with sometimes with a very blessed life, we, we end up with when he's done these miracles and he's provided these things for us, now we're faced with a real choice. Are we going to follow Jesus? Or were we just following him for the things he would do for us? And then blessing and prosperity, and we, you know, when you don't have want or need, sometimes the easiest places to walk away from the Lord. Even in our world, we see sometimes the, the places that, are mo that, that have the, the least amount of need have the lowest amount of people who are following Jesus. I don't need you, Jesus. I, I've taken care of myself. Recommit even in your abundance. Recommit, Jesus, you've entrusted this to me. You called me to be a manager and a steward of this. And I'm using all of this abundance for your glory. I'm not going to forget who it's come from. And I'm not going to forget there's a divine purpose to this. Our prayer, if we find out <laughs> that we are far from him. Our hearts have grown cold toward him. We pray a prayer that's found in the book of Revelation. And um, or Jesus was making a rebuke against the church. He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. And he says, turn back and do the works you did at first. And he says, prayer, re re return to your first love. God's desires for your heart 
and your affection toward him to be the same as it was the day he changed your life, turn back to that. Turn back to him. Without a doubt, as we end this series, without a doubt, Joshua's greatest accomplishment wasn't being a military leader, wasn't finally allowing these Israelites to receive everything that God did. It wasn't his leadership toward his team or how he divided the land. His greatest accomplishment was that from a young boy who was, who was a slave to the end of his life, he lived to 110 years old, he was unwavering in his loyalty and his obedience to following God. That was his legacy. And that could be yours. Failure is not your future if every day you just wake up saying, Jesus, I'm following you today. Every day. What are we to do, guys? Choose today who you will serve. You close your eyes and allow me to pray for you. Jesus, we remind ourselves of the things you've done in our life. And right now, there's some people you're doing, you're changing their life right now as they're, as they're praying to you, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me, change me, be my Lord, be my God. I make a decision to follow you. You're changing their life right now. This is the moment that's changing their life forever, like it was for me when I was 14 years old. Forgive them, change them, transform them in Jesus' name. Jesus, those of us who have been in church a long time, we made a decision a long time ago to follow you. We're, we're reminded of what you did in our life. We're reminded of the miracles you've done in our life over, and we, and we thank you for those. We've allowed some things in our life. We're rejecting those. We're, we're casting those aside. We're going to disconnect some things. We're going to let go of some things. We're going to sell some things to just, rem, to just realign ourselves to your purpose for our life. We're reminding ourselves of who you are. You are a holy and jealous God. We can't just live however we want. We can't just rip out parts of your scripture, parts of the Bible we don't agree with. We aligning ourselves to you. We're making a commitment to follow you. And right now, we just recommit ourselves, every person in our church, every person at all of our locations, Jesus, my life is yours. I'm following you. Not what the world does, not what other people in church do, not what other churches do. I'm following you, Jesus. You, this life is yours. I commit myself to you. Jesus, we thank you for your graciousness and your kindness. That as far off as we've been wandering, when we pray that prayer, when we come back to you, you throw a party and you receive us back. Thank you for that, for your forgiveness and your love. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.